The Athletic. In 1999, Manchester United won a historic treble. The Premier League, FA Cup and Champions League. Despite the many millions of Roman Abramovich's Chelsea, the genius of Arsene Wenger's Invincibles, no one in English football has been able to do it since. So I'm not one of, of the bottle. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. One twenty-six, drawn 12, lost exactly none. Arsenal and Manchester United are now the only domestic rivals standing in the way of Pep Guardiola's Manchester City and their own slice of immortality. Yes, Real Madrid and one of the Milan teams might have a say in it too. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. I want a reaction. Happy flowers, civilization. Ah, it's good. No, I don't want to be happy flower. I want to be Dyson. The target is Stones. I think it's a privilege to be able to to fight for everything and you know I realize at some point City will probably become champions of Europe. I would also say and I don't think I'm being unreasonable here, they should have already been champions of Europe. Football is full of strange things that you don't expect. I would definitely take that point right now and take a chance on the enormity of the task of chasing a treble. So to cover all three clubs here, we have the Athletic Sam Lee, Amy Lawrence and Andy Mitten with us. And all of a sudden, Sam, as you've written, the talk of the treble is now surrounding Manchester City because it's come late, this chat. Yeah. When did I say that? After the, I think it was after they beat Burnley in the FA Cup just before the international break because normally you can't move for it. Obviously, City had their own kind of relative problems in February. We were too busy talking about all of those on the pitch and off it, actually. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they'd clicked into gear and they've carried that on since the international break. And yeah, Guardiola doesn't like talking about it. Um, one of the reporters tried to get him on it last week and he wasn't having it. And the reporter said, come on, it's only 11 games. The Pep was like, oh yeah, only, yeah. So he's, he said, we'll talk, we'll talk about it before the, before the Champions League final if we won the Premier League and the FA Cup. I'm inclined to agree, but well, it was not enough for me to pull out of this podcast anyway. So yeah, let, let's see what you guys think about it. <laughs> Are the fans talking about it? Yeah, in that kind of understated City way, like, oh yeah, it could happen, couldn't it? You know, that, it's that really. If you were to take the mood of the City fans at this moment in time, it's still, oh God, I can't believe it's United in the FA Cup final. Because for a, for a lot of City fans, as much as they, they laugh at United's misfortunes and see how bad of a team they often are, as soon as City have got to play them, or they're in a title race, which was a couple of years ago. They always think they're going to lose. I remember a couple of years ago when Solskjaer was the manager and City were like 15 points clear or something. They were laughing it up and then City dropped points. And then there was a few City fans online going, oh, we're going to mess this up. United are going to win. It's like United are going to win the rest of their games. You've spent all season telling us how bad they are, which is the same now. And now they fear they're going to win at Wembley and that is a City fan's nightmare. But that's what they're thinking about more than anything else. Um, well, I tell you what, Andy, I know what Manchester United fans, a lot of them would have said if they'd lost to Brighton in the semi-final on Sunday, which is 
at least we don't then end up losing the final to City as part of them winning the treble. The excuse would already have been there. I kind of love the pessimism on both sides, really. There is. I spoke to um, a lad who goes home and away with City last night and he said, can't any good come out of this? Can't we be proud that actually Manchester's got two really good teams? Can't we compare ourselves to being like Milan or Madrid as a great football city? And this is, this is a lad who throughout the 1990s absolutely despised Manchester United. So <laughs> I, I was a little bit surprised. Last week wasn't a good one for Manchester United. That defeat in Seville was horrendous. So there was a lot of pessimism going into the semi-final against Brighton. And now look, it's City. And I think for both sets of fans, there's excitement. It is an FA Cup final, but so so many nerves as well. It's that fear of losing. It's still a long time away. I think that Manchester United could have players back. Um, City will be favourites. They've got a brilliant team. They're clearly on, on a run. Uh, talk of the treble is now uh, abounding. It's really, really difficult to win, even for a team as good as City. I know Guardiola won everything when he was at Barcelona, but a lot of teams have come close. But look at when Manchester United won it. Arsenal were fantastic. You need moments of luck. United got them in the semi-final. And then the final, most famously, against Bayern Munich, that, that those two goals. It's really, really difficult. And there's always that element of risk with knockout football. Anything can happen. I spoke to David De Gea after the game the other day. And I said, you know, there's a final against a team now called, called Manchester City. He said, well, we've beaten them already this season. Yeah, that's true. But United have also conceded a load of goals in the derby at Main Road. I'm, I'm torn. I'm excited. I'm, I'm sort of saying, do we meet my brother-in-law down there? Because he goes home and away with City. I've got my mum on my case saying I'm upset because two of my grandchildrens are like little City fans. And I'm like, how's my sister allowed this to happen by marrying a City fan? <laughs> Our family was like pure United for decades. And not only did my sister marry a blue... She married one who, whose whole family go absolutely everywhere. So if City play behind closed doors in Moscow and there's like 15 Blues there, they'll be there. <laughs> I think this God's just sort of way of going, I'm going to give you a bit of fun as you get older. This is horrible, Amy. I mean, you will know from Arsenal-Tottenham semi-finals in the past. And actually, I was talking to a Milan journalist last week about their Champions League semi-final. It's all very well for everybody else going, oh my God, how great is this? A derby, blah, 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 and a massive game. For actually those involved, fans involved, in the main... It's the worst. The build-up to it and the game, it's, it's absolutely it's, the worst. It's, it's horrible. It's pure, pure hell, unenjoyable until the final whistle. There's just nothing to be gained until you're put out your misery. Um I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm being slightly facetious. Um, but, I mean, looking at it from the from the outside in, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a, a huge amount of attention from non-Manchester people in this final. Um, and I think there'll probably be a lot more Man United fans than usually when they're in a, a, a cup final around the rest of the country just because of this feeling that y when you have a... Um, someone's super powerful and it's so difficult to compete. You need that feeling as a football supporter that crazy things are possible, that things can happen that aren't very rational. Just on the luck thing, and then we'll come on to it. We'll come on to Arsenal and Manchester City on, on Wednesday night very shortly. 
But but the luck thing, Amy, is is valid, isn't it? I mean, if you go back to the Manchester United trouble year, and look, there's nothing wrong in saying everybody needs luck at some point in to to be successful. That FA Cup semi final replay, United did did. I mean, they were unlucky in some ways, but they actually had to ride their luck to actually make that through. And Manchester hang on, United, hang on, where was the where's the they were unlucky? Just run that one past me again. Well, being reduced to ten men, I think that was. Well, that, that wasn't was unlucky. That was a, you know, that was a red card. <laughs> well, you know. What um, I would say, but, what I would say about that is, again, you know, I, I, I'm glad Andy mentioned that because, you know, even to this day, however many years later it is, going into that game, much as Man United were chasing a treble, Arsenal were chasing the double. Yeah. And they just won the double. So they were trying to ret- sort of retain it with a great side. There were two magnificent sides. I think that's maybe the thing that is a bit different about this uh, version to uh, back in 99, where, you know, that battle at the top of the table was as even as it gets for many years between Arsenal and Man United. But Arsenal found that so difficult to recover from because they felt that that w- was going to be a double for them again. And having a penalty to win it, uh, very, very close to the end. I think it might have even been stoppage time. Yeah. Bergkamp and Schmeichel. And Schmeichel has saved it! It was almost... There was there was a real shell shock and disbelief and that kind of t- then also affected the rest of the, the league campaign, which, again, you know, it did feel like the wind was in United's sails and, and gave them that energy that was unstoppable. It was a force of nature. Once, But it needed that semi-final pivotal moment I think for it to all go for United and all go against Arsenal in that particular moment you know there might not have been any trophies but for that semi-final was that big yeah absolutely because the momentum at that stage going into that semi-final replay Andy was all with Arsenal wasn't it if I remember rightly I mean Manchester United had 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 gone through a bit of a, a a sticky spell and this is how quickly things can change. I mean, we, you know, we'll look ahead to Wednesday in a moment, but Arsenal are in a sticky spell and City are in imperious. But one thing changes and all of a sudden momentum is a funny thing. And Manchester United didn't have that for large parts of the treble season. Look at the results in December of that season. They were atrocious. Lost to assistant manager Brian Kidd, Steve McLaren came in. And look at the total league points. Wasn't that impressive. But the absolute pressure form this diamond of a team and you could say the same in the late noughties when Manchester United and Chelsea were the two best teams in Europe because they were pushed each other so far and so hard and I spoke to the players about this that made them feel that they could beat everyone they were being pushed to their absolute maximum and this isn't a vintage Manchester United side yet this isn't United and Arsenal first and second meeting head on but what it is is a first ever Manchester derby in the FA Cup final. I've still got bad memories of the 2011 semi-final. I think that was a real turning point for City. Beating Manchester United that day was like, okay, we can do this. We can win. And and trophies started to follow. And I took a long time to forgive Dimitar Berbatov for missing a chance in that game. And pulled him up on it seven years later. And he <laughs> he took umbrage a bit and went, well, what, what would you have done then? I went, well, I mean, he went, exactly. (laughs) He wasn't having it at all. So I hope it's a sore point for him because it was a very sore point for (laughs) Manchester United fans. I think you can say 
stopping City winning the treble. United have got history, stop Liverpool winning the treble in 77. But Manchester United are also improving. This, this could be a second trophy in Eric Ten Hag's first season, which would be really impressive if United can somehow finish in the top four as well. I said at the start of this season, top four finish and, and a trophy would be success for Ten Hag. Beating City in an FA Cup final? Wow. That would more than cover up for the for the disappointment of, of not doing anything in Europe this season. When we go back to that treble season, Sam, and, and both Amy and Andy have mentioned it, the fact that the two teams spurred each other on and motivated each other, really. In many ways, City have motivated themselves here. I know they've had Arsenal to catch, but actually Rodri did a, gave a quote after the draw at Nottingham Forest saying the players had a meeting, called a meeting themselves to go, look... It's all right dominating teams, but we have to punish them. Guardiola was saying around that time, you know, I don't recognise the team. We would have done podcasts going, you know, what is going on with them? It was after the Spurs defeat when, you know, there was the the talking point around Haaland picking the wrong team, mm. not getting the best out of him. So they've had to they've had to self-police that. So yeah, Rodri said after the Forest game, which is interesting because I think they had a they had a conversation as well between them after they, they lost the derby at Old Trafford. That was in January, that's when they had kind of bigger problems. In February, they were just getting out of it. They should have beaten Forest, And it was interesting because I did an article last week based on what Guardiola said after that game because he didn't have any complaints about that game at all because they mm. battered Forest, Should have won 5-0 and drew 1-0. Like, that's football. But he was like, maybe there's something missing. Maybe there's that factor where we've just got to win like no matter what, basically. And it's interesting that Rodri says that that's what, what they felt too. We can look at the XG. We can play brilliantly. We can keep them away from our goal for 89 minutes. But we've just got to, we've got to do it. We've got to make it happen. And that's the kind of frame of mind I see them in now. That's, you know, in terms of the treble, I don't know what's going to happen with the treble. But if they were to win it, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because they go into games now where it's, they just do what they need to do, particularly in the Premier League. But no, I don't think you can overlook Arsenal's part in that because they're still not there. They're still not above them. The challenge to overthrow Arsenal, who have been above them for ages and look miles ahead in January, February. That's that's the challenge. Um, but yeah, City just needed to sort a few things out internally on top of that. The one thing, Sam, that we haven't really talked about here is the Champions League. So we're not glossing over the fact that City have Real Madrid to play in the Champions League. No, God no. But, but all of this is, is played out against a backdrop as, as well of City fans having a very interesting relationship with the Champions League in many ways. You know, if you win the Premier League and the FA Cup, Manchester City win the Premier League and the FA Cup, what a fantastic season. The Champions League is a bonus. We don't really like UEFA. They've been unfair on us. But then actually, if we do do the Champions League as well, that means we might... United can never then... United fans can never go to us. Ah, yeah, but you've never done the treble. An opinion I heard from a City fan I was speaking to recently, he was like, want to win the Champions League just to shut everyone up. Like, if you ask City fans, and I was with a load of them in, in Munich last week, the priority is is still and kind of always is the Premier League. There is an element from City fans, you know, everything's done out of defiance really, isn't it? You know, whether whether that's justified or whether it isn't, you know. There's definitely an element of, like I say, they want to win it just to shut people up, maybe get back at, at UEFA, get back, you know, the, the, other, the other clubs who seemingly pushed for bans, you know, there's a, that situation in the Premier League as well. Um, and it was pointed out to me as well by a Brazilian reporter that if City do it, they'll have to beat Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, and maybe AC Milan, you know, three of the teams with the most Champions Leagues compared compared to their none. Mm. You know, they're going to have to beat 
those historic, big, powerful teams. Um, and I'm sure that will be a motivation for City. But in terms of it having a different atmosphere, you know, they'll boo, they'll boo the anthem, they'll boo the UEFA anthem at the start. But you know, the the, the atmosphere at the Etihad for Champions League games, like in the in the knockout stages, is absolutely electric. And as soon as that game starts against Real Madrid, it'll be the best atmosphere. You know, that that will be the biggest game that's ever been played in the Etihad. And I'm sure the atmosphere will match. You know, they'll want to do it, like regardless of not liking UEFA and booing the anthem and that, you know, if you want to, if you're in the Champions League, you're in with a chance of winning the Champions League, you want to win it. Even if in some cases it's just to, to stop people talking about it, like me. <laughs> you were nodding, Andy. I'm just thinking of the recent times when City thought they were going to a European Cup final or, or were going to win it. A uh, good mate of mine booked a hotel in Madrid for the final in 2019, which he was convinced City were going to win. I won't embarrass him, he's called Stephen Craven. And then he told me about, or my nephews told me about a song about Bernardo, who's obviously a brilliant player. But I think when that started, that was City fans away in Europe and it was about going to wherever the final was played uh, that year. Honestly, I'm not forming a Manchester branch of the Real Madrid supporters club, but (laughs) I watched a lot of Real Madrid and look at them in Europe. It's like Sevilla in the Europa League. There's just something there. And I think if City played Real Madrid 10 times, City would probably win six or seven. They've just been undone. I was in Lisbon when Leon, with three teenage midfielders, knocked City out a few years ago, including Guimarães, actually, who's at Newcastle now. I think they were 19, 20, 19. That shouldn't have happened. City absolutely battered them. So I I realise at some point City will probably become champions of Europe. I would also say, and I don't think I'm being unreasonable here, given how good them City sides have been, they should have already been champions of Europe. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's betterhel dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. I'm Ian Irving sounding a little hoarse on Wembley Way after United have made it through to the FA Cup final. I am the host of the Athletics United podcast Talk of the Devils and we are bringing you our show live at Manchester's New Century Hall on Wednesday the 17th of May. I'll be there alongside our usual cast of Andy Mitten, Carl Anker and Laurie Whitwell will be sharing our unique insight and never heard before stories from covering United wherever they go. As well as reviewing Eric Ten Hag's first season in charge, we'll also take a trip down memory lane to mark 10 years since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Expect sweets and questionable cocktails aplenty.
2020. To book tickets, check out our social media channels for details, or you can go to myticket.co.uk and search for Talk of the Devils Live. Tickets are £25 plus booking fee. See you there. Not decisive because there's still many tough games for both sides. We have more games to play, but uh, we cannot deny how important it is. Tomiyasu makes a mistake. De Bruyne scores! These are the standards. One tiny, tiny error is punished emphatically. A tough night and challenge, yes, but the opportunity is incredible for us. And we knew from the beginning, you want to win a Premier League. You want to be champion, you have to win those matches. It's as simple as that. Saka scores! He takes the burden of responsibility. He brushes off the pressure. And Arsenal come from behind at home against the reigning champions. Away by Gabriel. Now, Haaland. A sight of goal. Gundogan inside him. Grealish waiting. Jack Grealish scores! If we move ahead to Wednesday night's game, Amy, which which some people are billing as must win for Arsenal. So the gap, the gaps, the gaps, you're shaking your head. It isn't must win, I'm guessing. No, no, no. Well, I was having this conversation with my uh, son just to get, sometimes I think when you get the perspective of people of different ages, it's mm. quite interesting. I said, I would take a draw now. Would you? And I think, you know, because of this narrative that it's a it, it must win in terms of keeping it in Arsenal's hands, I think people have presented it in that way. But uh, just looking back at what Sam was saying about that Nottingham Forest game, Man City should have won 5 nil, but they didn't. You know, football is quirky. Football is full of strange things that you don't expect when you least expect them. And I would definitely take that point right now with uh, whatever source you want to put on it and take a chance on the enormity of the task of chasing a treble. Because uh, it's the gap's five points. Uh, Manchester City have, have two games in hand. But as we've discussed before Sam scheduling is important here I think it's Goodison isn't it it's Everton away after the Real Madrid leg that is in the Bernabeu I think now look people might go well Everton are in the bottom three and how's that going to be a challenge but then you look at what Southampton did at Arsenal on Friday night Brighton away still actually has to be scheduled no no they've sorted they've sorted it it's the it's it's the Wednesday night before the last game of the season so they got Brighton and Brentford wow okay which is not the easiest final two, is it? <laughs> Amy's, Amy's praying now, and that and that's the point. In <laughs> well, all we of can this. have a look at Arsenal's fixtures in a minute. Yeah, well, we can't yeah, call yeah, yeah. Newcastle away and various other things. But the obvious thing is, City will view every game as must win, I suppose. But when City look at this gap, how are they seeing it? One game at a time, and you know, Guardiola was saying he wasn't resting players at, at Wembley at the weekend because they've got Arsenal. It's just you know, kind of. Medical need, you know, a lot of them were exhausted. He said Rodri had come to him and said, oh, I can't play. Um, and look, there, there may be times like that in the future. But as much as Guardiola was saying, look, 
tiredness is in is in the head, it's not in the legs. Like if you feel like you want to play and get to an FA Cup final, then you're not tired. If you feel like you want to save yourself for Arsenal in the Champions League, then you're tired. Now, I don't think that's the case with Rodri. But also, I do feel like even if players are extremely tired, I have to say, let's say Real Madrid away and then they got to go to Everton. They're playing anyway. You know, I, my article at the weekend was City fans, they're going to be looking at it going, oh, when do these players need to get rest now? There's no real obvious windows. Don't worry about it. Like, there'll be rotation. But these players, like, for a start, Guardiola's going to say, look, if you, if you can play, then you're playing. And the players want to play. If you think back to the end of last season, they had lots of injuries. You know, they rushed back Stones and Walker. They got injured again. They ended up going into the last two games because Diaz had got injured three games out and Laporte had seemingly got injured, played through because it was just him and Fernandinho back there because Ake was injured as well. So they didn't have any centre-backs really. And then Laporte played through to such an extent that he needed surgery straight after the trophy parade and he had five months out. So those margins are small. They were small last year. The fact that they had injuries at the back didn't help. And that's suddenly where things start to get difficult because I look at all those fixtures now, all of their fixtures, and say, which ones of these are they going to win? And if you look at the Premier League, I'll go, well, they'll win that one, they'll win that one, they'll win that one. But then you start putting it in the context of, mm. well, they've got they've got Real Madrid here. And then, yeah, well, they've got the Brighton game here and then they've got the Brentford game there. Things do get um, tricky. And that's I still think City will drop the odd point here and there. Like, this is the standards that they're held to. I don't think they'll lose a game in the Premier League, really, even as crazy as football is. I think they might draw the odd game. And that's why it's not over tomorrow night if, if City win. That, that's not going to be the end of the title race because there is still a gap. There, there are still points that need to be made up and City are certainly capable of doing it. But when so many factors come into it, I wouldn't be getting carried away. It would be a huge win if they were able to pull it off, but it wouldn't be done by any means because of all those th- things like you're saying, you know, the scheduling and the injuries and you know, Everton away, Brentford away. You know, Stop game. talking yourself down. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, yeah, oh, I'm, talk, I'm talking. I'm Poor talking old football. City. Oh. <laughs> well, well, this is it. I've actually did. I did a podcast recently because City fans are like, oh yeah, for the last few weeks I've been like, oh, Brighton really. So like, yeah, Brighton are really good. But do you know how good City are? Basically, apart from Real Madrid and to a slightly lesser extent Arsenal, there is no one that can really hold a candle to them. It's just when the games kind of pile up and you know whatever. Can't even remember whether rest and rotation was a thing in '99, was it, uh, Andy, Amy? I mean, look, United had plenty of suspensions, didn't they? Depends who you ask. Jordi Cruyff recently apologised to Sir Alex Ferguson for being a young idiot when he played for Manchester United in '99 because he couldn't understand why Ferguson was doing a thing called rotating players. And <laughs> he'd say, When we're going to play next? And he'd say, In two weeks. He'd say, yeah, well, what if the other players play well? You can't just drop them. He went, that's my problem, not yours. And Jordi said he was ahead of his time that way. I think Manchester United came for a very tough group with all the Bs, Bromby, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, beat Inter Milan as well. United were absolutely not favourites to win that competition. Juventus were largely seen as being the best team in the world. For me, just reaching the final was a huge achievement. The high I felt in Del Alpe after Manchester United had come from behind to beat Juventus, has been unmatched in my entire life watching football, including the final. You can't help how you feel. I just saw Manchester United come from behind with that amazing performance from all of them, but especially Roy Keane. And I thought, wow, Manchester United are in a European Cup final. That that was enough for me. I looked over and all my mates were in the away end and it had been building towards it because United had 
played in a semi-final against Dortmund in 97. But it felt like a step-by-step step and reaching the final was another step. But I didn't really expect United to win it. And that was pretty true until the 90th minute. That's been the same with City though, isn't it? You said a minute ago, you'd be surprised they have not won it so far. Yeah. And I, I kind of get what you mean, but, you know, step-by-step. Step, and even, okay, United won that first final in that Ferguson period. But, you know, City. I, I was surprised that City lost to Chelsea a couple of years ago in the final. But ultimately, you think... You saw the way they played and it did look like a team who were there for the first time. In fairness, talk about margins and stuff. It looked like that was the first time United had been at a final. Those players for, against Bayern mm. Munich. So that, that kind of happens. It does feel like they're building towards it now. That, you know, they've been to semi-finals. They've been to a final. I feel like that experience, especially for this group of players, this manager, if they do get there this year, that, that will definitely help. But I, I feel like that's the same thing. What you're describing there with United and semi-finals in 97, I think that's the same thing with City. You know, when Guardiola came in, it was all about winning the Champions League. They'd barely been out of the group stages at that point. You know, under under Mancini and, you know, Pellegrini, I think, they got to the semi-final that year, but I think that was the first time they got past the last 16. That was my first season covering City. Sorry if the details are a bit hazy. Feels like a long time ago. <laughs> but they need to build, they do need to build this history in the Champions League and I think I think that's in, entirely fair. I know there's there's obviously the element of how good they are, but I still, I still feel like no matter how good you are, you do need you do need time. And also, you're looking around Europe. There's always good teams in the Premier League. There's Arsenal now. There's been Liverpool. But you look around Europe with all, all the top teams that have been trying to win it while City have been trying to win it. It's You can be as good as you want, but you no know team's guaranteed to win every time. Even Real Madrid don't win it every year. And we talk about them being the boogeyman, and they are, but they don't win it every year. United were really poor in that final against Bayern Munich, missing Roy Keane mm-hmm. and Paul I mean. Scholes. But the morning after in Port Olimpico, full of like lots of hungover United fans. And my dad was slagging the team off. I'm like, yeah, but we've just won the treble. We didn't turn up, son. <laughs> yeah, but we've just won the treble. We were rubbish, son. We didn't show ourselves. Yeah, but we've just won the treble. I cannot believe you're slagging them off when they've just won the treble <laughs> and you're on a beach in Barcelona and the world is at peace with itself. We were bobbing, son. And, you know, <laughs> we, imagine we never writing that as an agreement article. on that. I, I, imagine, imagine City... Get two late goals, last minute winner against AC Milan or something, but play terribly. And then my article is, God, they were bad. Can well, you imagine that? that? You, you have to write that now, Sam. Now you've said, if that happens, now you've said it on the podcast, you get, you're going to have to write that. I mean, all all that context though there is probably important, Amy, when, when it comes to Arsenal here, is that is that whatever happens, and I know this is, uh, you know, perspective doesn't massively exist in sport and 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 if Arsenal don't win it then Arsenal fans are going to hurt hurt and think they've missed the opportunity but this is just the start hopefully i mean you know football in the modern age is competitive on a broader scale than a long time ago you know we're talking go back to 1999 and there was six seasons in a row where man united and arsenal were first and second for example then there was that period where getting in the Champions League, you could do 18, 20 years. I think Arsenal qualified for the Champions League mm. something like 20 years in a row under Arsene Wenger. And then obviously haven't, you know, have had a, a quite a few years absence, which is, you know, everyone's very excited to get back there. You look around the strength of, of opposition in terms of numbers and it's growing all the time. And, you know, there are what, six, seven, eight teams now who are thinking that they've got a they, they need to be in the Champions League most seasons. There's that angle that you hear, oh, this was Arsenal's great opportunity. It won't be like this again. You know, this one's going to get stronger. That one's going to get stronger. These ones are going to spend money. Those ones are going to spend money. 
And yeah, they are. But Arsenal are on an upward trend. I mean, it's a radical improvement since this time last year. No question. And I think that they believe that they belong uh, around the top now, whereas that's not been a genuine feeling for quite some time. So that's a big step. To really look around your dressing room and look at your manager and look people in the eyes, they are all desperately starving for success. And they've made huge strides. And in in a pre-Man City age, when you didn't need 90-plus points to win the league, it would probably be Arsenal's this year. But uh, in the reality that we live in, it's going to be tough. So to all of you here, depending on how many trophies each club wins, will, will it affect who they can attract in the summer? So, Amy, does it make any difference for Arsenal whether they win the title or not when it comes to who they might have their eye to bring on in the summer? I don't think it would have a huge impact because I think that they had a bit of a plan and they're ahead of schedule anyway. Uh, Arteta has spoken about a kind of five-point plan. I think what is obvious from this specific moment, going into the Man City game, seeing how much an injury to a key player has had a very costly effect, in this case, William Saliba, because with the backup unavailable, having to go to a third choice in a major position has kind of created an instability that has spread a little bit across the team. So that aim to get a much reduced gap between your first 11, and most people have said this season that Arsenal's first 11 are good enough to win a title, and the, the ones that you're having to go to when people are unavailable needs to reduce. So it's really in, in improving not just first team, but the, the the strength and power that you can count on in pretty much any position in any game, ideally. That's what they're going to try and do. Andy, does it... If, if Manchester United win the FA Cup, so they win two trophies, does that affect their summer transfer market? Or by winning the FA Cup and stopping Manchester City doing a potential treble... Would that alter who they might be able to bring in? There's other factors at play with Manchester United. Who is going to own the club? Financial Mm. fair play. Who can United get money for? Because unlike City, United have been quite poor at selling players. And sometimes logic doesn't always go as you feel. Casemiro signed for Manchester United last year. He wasn't coming to play Champions League football. He signed because he wanted to play... In the Premier League, the Premier League has become even more powerful and even more attractive to players from around the world. So I think Manchester United will be very attractive. But if the team were to win the FA Cup, you could easily sell that as United are on the way back, resurgent. And Manchester United are a huge football club. They're very, very attractive. The team needs a goal scorer. team doesn't score anything like enough goals. There's just not that many of them. So... If you're sat there and you're Haaland and you're thinking, I've had a good season with City, but actually now it might be time to move to United and they've just won the FA Cup. <laughs> Look at the smirk on his face there. And, and as far as City goes, it really doesn't matter. They'll still be able to bring in who they want, Sam, I'm guessing. it's that's, that's the beauty of the City pitch, isn't it? Come and play for this manager, come and play this football, come and, come and win trophies. I'm sure you know, not everyone goes for it. Um, maybe some players want to start more games than they might at City because of the rotation. But yeah, exactly. Like whether, whether, God, even if they didn't win anything, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really affect anything. Sam, Andy, Amy, uh, we will leave it there. You can subscribe today for just one pound a month for a year at theathletic.com slash football pod and then you'll 
be able to read Sam's uh, on the whistle uh, Champions League final uh, report. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have another episode tomorrow. The Athletic.